hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santarelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we're trying to find some balance in this world full of extremes. All right, let's get into the episode. So today I'm going to be doing another review of RIP diets. I'm also going to do a little uh, section on uh, a, a caller that called into the Sarah Silverman podcast that was interesting and a couple other little topics here, but I just wanted to start with a personal update. So this week has been um, pretty good, I'd say. I have been kind of preparing for Thanksgiving. Uh, I've been kind of thinking about what I want to make. I did buy my boyfriend a, so my, my boyfriend's all like very into beer and, uh, I bought him this like beer cookbook for his birthday. And so he was looking through it and there was this recipe for beer, cheese, gratin potatoes. So I'm going to test it out tonight and see how it comes out. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of gratin potatoes, to be honest. I'm not I don't know. I, I I used to scrape all the cheese off my pizza. I used to hate cheese. Now I do like some cheese. Uh, like I do like to dip uh, pretzels into beer cheese. Uh, but I don't know. Groton potatoes have always, I don't know, the consistency. I don't know. The, the meltiness of the cheese and the, I don't know. It's, it's, it's always been kind of like a mushy, kind of runny, creamy texture. And I'm not really into super creamy things. Uh, except ice cream. So, um, so I don't know. We'll see how they come out. I'm sure everybody else will love them. You know, maybe now that my tastes have been changing and I'm a little bit more into cheese now, I will like them. It does uh, call for some panko breadcrumbs on the top. So maybe that'll give some good texture. I also bought these, uh, addicting, uh, like those breaded kind of, um, jalapeno pieces from Trader Joe's, kind of like the green beans, you know, the green beans that you sprinkle on top of that classic green bean casserole. I don't know, again, that mushroom creaminess of, I don't really like that, but I do love those crunchy green beans on top. I mean, that's really the best part or the onions or whatever. Um, so I ended up buying some of those crispy onions and some of those jalapenos. So if I don't eat them before Thanksgiving, uh, I might try to also sprinkle some of those on top for a little crunch. Cause I think if there's some crunch and some texture, I think it'll be good. And I think it'll be much better. Now it'll be in insanely rich uh, because, you know, you're taking cheesy, buttery, milky potatoes, au gratin, and then putting more fried stuff on top, <laughs> fried breaded stuff on top. But hey, it is Thanksgiving. Um, I'm going to indulge like a mad woman. And so I am going to test out the recipe tonight. Uh, for the most part, I'm keeping things really, really simple for the dinner from, from what I'm cooking. But uh, I did want to try that different potato. And then I did get this recipe for this poor uh, gravy that I've made in the past. And it is the best gravy in the world. It calls for this tawny port. And I'll, I'll video it when I'm making it. I'll try to anyway and post it on my Instagram because it is to die for. It's so good. It's very unique tasting. That port just gives it this rich, just very unique flavor. 
Mm, so good. I can't wait for Thanksgiving. I love, I bought like a million boxes of stuffing. You know, I, I do like to make things homemade, but I do, I, I'm like Taylor Strecker. I'm, I'm like a stovetop girl. I'm, I do like my stovetop. So I am going to keep it simple with some stovetop, but I will make the gravy with the pork and I'll try out this new potato recipe and I'll make some corn with some garlic butter. And I do need to figure out a green vegetable because I do like a bite of green with all the other bites I'm putting into my mouth that day. So, so we'll see, but I am going to try that recipe tonight. My boyfriend's having his friends over. They always, you know, drink beer and watch sports on Thursdays. So I'll make them these beer, cheese, gratin potatoes and get a consensus of, you know, whether I'll make it on Thanksgiving. It does seem like a really simple recipe, so I don't think it'll be too difficult. All right. So, and then recently, so I had my friends over the other night and we, I made garlic bread and we had a lot of wine and, uh, we ended up watching, uh, some of our favorite Bravo shows and, you know, we drank a lot of wine that night. <laughs> we were on our fourth bottle and there were only three of us. And so, so I, so later in the night, um, I remember kind of getting into it a little bit, like a fun disagreement, but a disagreement nonetheless, about one of the characters on one of these shows we were watching. And I don't remember exactly what was said. I just remember kind of debating with my friend and and then we ended up moving on. So the next morning, she ended up sending an apology to myself and to my other friend. She was like, I'm so sorry for that comment I made last night. I didn't mean it. It was a horrible thing to say. I would just want to take it back. I just, I really apologize for that. I've been reflecting. And I was like, what did she say? And I, I couldn't remember exactly what she said. Um, but my other friend immediately said like, Hey, you know, thank you for apologizing. You know, I, I, I do get sensitive to those types of comments because, you know, I used to be overweight as a child. And then she sent this picture of her where my friend who, you know, she's, she's gorgeous and she, you know, it, it, you know, she doesn't look like she's ever been overweight. She works out all the time, but she did. She used to be overweight, uh, as a child. And so, um, you know, she sent that, that comment back, just kind of like acknowledging that it was in, an inappropriate comment and just saying like, Hey, I appreciate that for you for owning it. And, and I was like, I didn't remember what she said. Um, but I did think, and you know, I, I was, that's what we were debating over. I was kind of defending this, this woman that she was kind of not making fun of. I think she was just trying to say something salacious about her because, she, you know, didn't like her as a character. And so she was kind of going after like the low hanging fruit of making fun of her weight, which again is this, you know, my friend is not a mean spirited person. And I think like the rest of us, I think we all have a little bit of fat phobia inside of us because of society. And my friend is, you know, both of my friends are very in shape. They they both work out, you know, one of my friends own fitness studios. And so she's very into that kind of fitness culture. Um, and I think that, I think that that comment didn't come from, you know, who she really is, but I think it's a comment that came out because of drinking and because of, she was just kind of being careless and saying something to get a rise. And, and I think, I mean, we've all, we've all said stuff that we've been ashamed of, right? I've said things that I've been ashamed of. And I think it, I think it's a big person that can like own it the next day. Um, and so I just said, you know, Hey girl, thank you for owning that, you know? 
you know, it's, you know, no worries for me, but I do think that it's really nice that you're reflecting and taking accountability. And, you know, we all say things that we're ashamed of sometimes, but you know, that's, that's nice of you to, to kind of take that accountability. So, you know, we moved on and I, you know, I think in general women, I think we like to be good people, you know, and not all of us, but I think women especially are very introspective and we care about the energy that we put out into the world. And again, I just think that that's really cool that she, she reflected, she took ownership. And I really like accountable people in my life in general at work. I just, I like people that are able to take accountability for their actions and apologize. Like I apologized to my boyfriend the other day. I was having a really hard day and I took it out on him. He was, he was kind of trying to come in and, and lighten the mood and see what was wrong with me. And I was just so cranky and I didn't want to take it out on him. I'm like, please just leave me alone right now. I'm like, I, I'm in a horrible mood. I don't want, I don't want to talk right now. And so he started like slowly kind of like closing the door and squeaking it, which further annoyed me. And I'm like, that is really annoying to me right now. <laughs> you know, I was like, and I, and, and I was over exaggerating my reactions because I was just so, I mean, I, I wish I had more patience as a human being. That is my worst quality. I lack patience. I get irritated very easily. You know, I, I, I think I'm overall a nice person and kind, but I do lack patience. And so if anybody has any tips on increasing your patience, please text me or DM me because I would love to figure this out. Um, but anyway, in general, like I like really accountable people. And so I think because of that kind of situation that happened and uh, my friend who, you know, used to be overweight and is really sensitive, she ended up sending me this article because I did tell my friends, I'm like, I get to talk about this on my podcast, just so you know, <laughs> like fat phobia, rude comment, you know, women supporting women. Uh, you know, I just wanted to talk about it. So I just let them know that I would be mentioning it. I wouldn't mention names. But um, so my other friend ended up sending me this article. And it was about how a lot of, you know, younger people these days and just people in general that have had work done are starting to reverse it. And I thought this was very timely because I know on my last, I think it was my last episode or maybe the episode before that, I kind of was going on and on about all these things I want to change about myself or correct about myself with, you know, anti-aging. And, you know, anti-aging is becoming the new, like, faux pas to say. I'm like, great, here I go again, like, you know, with my anti-aging rhetoric. But, um, you know, I I do, here's the thing. I I do like the fact, because I, there was, it kind of ties into this other article I read about Justine Bateman recently. And I think Heather McDonald on Juicy Scoop brought this up. But Justine Bateman has like never had any work done, even Botox. And she's in her 50s. And, you know, and she looks, she looks her age, right? She looks her, her age because she's naturally aged. And, and Heather was kind of like, well, you know, even if she did like really minimal things like Botox, for example, if she just did Botox, that would make such a difference. And, and I think what she's saying with that is you really don't have to have a lot of work done, but you can kind of like keep resembling yourself, uh, without, you know, without major work. 
And, and whereas Justine comes from the point, like, why do I even have to do that? Like, why is society making us ashamed of our wrinkles, ashamed of our face that can show character because of what we've been through? Um, and I, I see both sides, right? Like I, I honor women that, you know, don't color their hair and let it go gray. And I, I respect women that don't give a shit and, and don't have any work done and don't get the Botox and stuff. I will probably never be that person, right? Like I do like to look the way that I, you know, I'd like to maintain a youthful kind of image. And again, maybe that society, um, I think, you know, look, and, and so the article that my friend sent me had more to do with like people that are getting like the Brazilian butt lifts. And people that are, you know, like how if you have a bump in your nose, you can kind of get that injection that kind of like basically straightens your nose, almost like you've had rhinoplasty, but it's way less invasive. Um, And, you know, and I've, and it's funny because, and I, I don't, I would never get a nose job. I actually like my Roman nose. It's got character and it makes me unique. And I've been made fun of for my nose. You know, I... And I don't know whether it's like, you know, but I, I think my ethnicity, I think I have a very kind of, you know, I'm I'm Greek, I'm Jewish, I'm Italian, I'm English. I think you can definitely see the ethnicity in my face, in my forehead, in my nose. And I like that. I like, I like that I look, you know, I, I like that you can kind of see my culture in my look. And, and I, I do believe that our unique qualities are our superpowers. And with that said, I also, you know, I like my Botox (laughs) and, um, you know, I would like to tighten my neck a little bit, but I don't think that that changes like the character of what I look like and who I am necessarily. And so, you know, this article was kind of talking about how there's kind of this backlash to this, like to this, you know, this era where everybody's trying to look the same, right? It's like kind of like that Kardashian, uh, uh, you know, the impact of the Kardashians where everybody's got like the big lips and people got their Brazilian butt lifts and, um, you know, this, this, this makeup look with the contouring, uh, all those things that kind of are trendy and, and come into popularity. Uh, you know, it's this article kind of talked about how people are, not now wanting, you know, missing their, their old selves and feeling like they've really lost their identity when they're, they, when they're doing some of this work. So, you know, I did like that article because, you know, there's been times where I've gone to the med spa, right. Where I get my injections and I'll be like, okay, I want, you know, I, I want this, I want that. And, and they'll ask me about th- Like if I want, like one time I went and they asked if I wanted my chin injected. Now my chin, I have a cleft in my chin. It's like the, it's like a dimple in my chin. And I used to be called butthole chin. (laughs) So, you know, that used to be a huge insecurity for me. And I, and you know, maybe back in the day, if you would ask me back then when I was being bullied for it, maybe I would have said yes. But now I, I like it. It gives me character. And when that woman asked me if I wanted that filled, I'm like, no, I'm like, That's, that would be A, it would be very expensive and B, no, I'm not going to spend money on filling this characteristic that I have that's, you know, that's not like a negative. And, and I remember, 
this other time, so my ex-husband had a very prominent nose. I think I'm attracted to people with prominent noses. Um, not that my boyfriend now has a prominent nose. He actually has a little button nose. But uh, my ex-husband had a very prominent nose. And I thought he was very handsome. You know, I liked his nose. And I never knew he had insecurities about his nose. Um, I remember, though, one time this friend of ours... He he was really drunk when he said it. And I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said something to the effect of he was making fun. He's like, well, if you guys ever have kids, the nose on that kid, you know, and I kind of just took it in stride. I'm like, oh, he's saying that both of us have big noses. <laughs> and if we procreate, our child will also have a big nose. And I... I've never been super sensitive about my nose. I mean, I never was bullied for my nose. So I guess that's probably why. I mean, a lot of our insecurities stem from being bullied as children. Um, but, uh, but, but my, and I didn't realize, and I did, I did know at that time when my, when our friend said that, that my ex-husband was sensitive to that. Like I could tell it really bothered him. He was like, oh no, don't say that. He was very, he was a sensitive person in general. And I could tell that comment really affected him. And later he ended up asking me if I would support him getting a nose job. And I'm like, no, I'm like, what do you mean? You don't need a nose job. And I was, I was, I must've been like very like forceful in the way that I said it because, well, I certainly wasn't going to pay for it. He was already in debt. I'm like, you're not going to go into more debt to get your freaking nose job and uh, nose job. And, um, you know, and he didn't while we were together, but as soon as we got divorced, guess what he did? He went and got a nose job. And I think he looked better before, you know, I really did. Just like my friend, my other friend, I have another friend that went to one of the doctors that was in that show botched. I won't say which one, but she went to get her nose done and she, and I, again, when she told me that, I was like, what? You? You don't need your nose done. I had no idea why she was getting her nose done. But again, we all have our own, you know, internal insecurities. And she was saying, she actually like pointed out my nose as if my nose was the good nose and was like, you know how your nose like, you know, has a narrow kind of bridge thing. She's like, I always wanted like, you know, a narrow nose. And, and, and she didn't get it. I mean, she went through the surgery. They ended up talking her into doing this, like, oh my God, what was it called? It's like, oh, a chemical peel. They, she did a chemical peel that literally pulled like every layer of skin she had off her face. I mean, it, she, her face, I saw her two weeks after the surgery and after she had gotten this chemical peel she, she, her skin was like raw meat two weeks after this. And she was having breakouts. And she, I mean, she was a mess in her recovery and, um, and she wasn't happy with her nose. She was really disappointed with it. And I think it still looked good. I mean, I, I didn't really honestly see a huge difference and, uh, and neither did she, which was the problem. But, um, yeah, so I just, I mean, I can't imagine how much she spent on that. And to not be happy. I mean, that's really the fear with plastic surgery too. I mean, is that you'll, you'll, you'll end up botched like I talked about in one of my former episodes. So, so I like the fact that there is this backlash to the, the plastic surgery era and, and these surgeries are still growing in popularity. It's not like there's a steep decline because of this, but there must be enough people getting it reversed that it was enough to write this article. So I just thought that was interesting. And 
and, you know, my friend and I were kind of texting back and forth with it. And I was sharing some of the things about, you know, you know, what people have said to me and she was doing the same. And, you know, overall, I think, you know, people should do what they want to do. I do support, you know, surgery and, and doing things aesthetically that you want to do. But I also, um, you know, I appreciate when people want to go au natural. I just don't think that anyone should be torn down for whatever they decide, um, as long as they're making an educated decision and as long as they're not doing it to please someone else, right? Like, you know, if if your boyfriend, you know, the only reason you're getting a boob job is because your boyfriend wants you to. That seems like the wrong reason if you don't want it to. So anyway. So that was that topic. So then I wanted to touch on the Sarah Silverman podcast. And so I love Sarah Silverman. She's one of my favorite comedians. She's hilarious. And this caller called in. So her format for her podcast, she has a lot of callers that call in and leave voicemails. And then she responds to those, to that voicemail. So this caller had called in. She was talking about the body positivity movement. And she's like, you know, she's like, I get that we should be potty, body positive. She's like, but this whole idea that, you know, healthy at any size, she's like, I just don't, she's like, I think that that's the wrong message. She goes, because that absolutely is not true. She said, you know, my mom, I grew up with a mom that was morbidly obese. She was bed bound. She was very unhealthy and she ended up dying very young. And she said that it was incredibly hard on her and her family. And she's like, and she's like, people, I don't think understand how hard it is on people's families when their health is affected. And, you know, and, and I, she's like, I just don't believe that you, that any size you, you can be healthy at any size. And, and she's like, and I think, you know, she's like, from what I see, she's like a lot of the people that are preaching this body positive message are young people. And she's like, I just, maybe they haven't gone through what I've gone through. You know, maybe they haven't seen the repercussions that come from being morbidly obese. And she's like, and and I know that this would be shunned in today's society. She's like, I would never say these words out loud to anyone in my circle. She said, but I'm just curious, you know, what you think about this. And so Sarah got on and Sarah's very sensitive. She's, uh, in my opinion, she's got great, like a great moral compass and a really good perspective. She's someone that's done a lot of work on herself. And, you know, she was like, very sensitive when she responded to this. And she's like, look, she's like, your mom being bed bound, you know, being morbidly obese. She's like, and and obviously, you know, being in that larger body, but also being bed bound. I don't think that that would, anybody would call that healthy in, you know, in, in any capacity, she said, but, but she said, there are fat people that are healthy. She said, and the problem with our society is that our society has created this, this, you know, idea that people that are of in a larger body naturally are automatically unhealthy. 
And she's like, and that's what this body positivity movement is trying to change. She's like, you'll see fat people doing CrossFit. She's like, you'll see people in larger bodies running marathons and doing ballet. She goes, and they are incredibly healthy and, and very mobile and in better shape than probably you or I. She said, and then there's really thin people that are not healthy and that are, you know, that have a lot of health problems, but because they have thin privilege, which is a topic later, um, you know, they, they aren't looked down on in our society. And, and that is a great point that Sarah made. She said, you know, I'm not, she's like, there are extremes. She said, your mom was an extreme case. So she said, it is natural for you to think that. But she said, you know, she's like the body positivity movement, you know, is, is really so that, you know, to, to prevent society from automatically judging people. And, and I, I think that, again, I think this was a great topic because, it's kind of like what started this podcast, right? Like my, I have the same kind of background as this girl. I'm really sensitive to the fact that there are these, that there is this way of living that is, it's, it's so unhealthy. It'll cause early death. It'll cause serious chronic health problems. It will affect your family. I mean, my whole life was spent thinking my dad was going to die any minute. He had multiple heart attacks through his life. I would always rush home from California and fly across the country because dad had another heart attack and he might not make it. And and that was my life, right? And so I I have a natural tendency to, you know, to have that, you know, uh, not, but I also like, so I, I have enough perspective to, because I worked in the fitness industry, I've seen women in larger bodies that are in way better shape than me. So I do see both sides. I do think that, again, wanting to choose more nutritional choices, wanting to lose weight, wanting to live a healthier life so that you have longevity and you prevent disease, I believe in that. And and I also believe in the body positivity movement that 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 people of a larger size are can be healthy. So um, so I kind of see it from, from, I, I understand that girl's perspective, but I think Sarah was spot on in her response. So I thought that was a little interesting topic. As you can see, I basically only listen to podcasts. Podcasts have now replaced my TV. So, uh, yeah, so lots of podcast reviews. Okay. And so now I did want to get into another, uh, a review of RIP diets. Now, I did, I, I'll probably keep reviewing them until I get through the 10, um, the 10, you know, kind of, uh, like keys or key points to the intuitive dieting movement, because I do want to understand Emily's perspective. Um, so again, Emily Lubin, she is at Lubination. That is her podcast. That is her, um, Sorry, my phone is like freaking out right now. I need to do a, an update. But Emily Lube, and I did do another RIP diets last time. And thank you, Emily, for promoting my podcast. I really appreciate it. She did give me a little shout out on um, on her own Instagram, which is at Lubination. And I mean, I'm definitely going to do these next 10 REP diets, like the kind of the first 10 to get through the intuitive eating, but there's so many good topics on this podcast. So I'll probably go back and forth, but, and I'm, I'm not going to do the entire podcast review because she starts with kind of this 
like educating on the intuitive eating movement and, and also shares some stories from her past, which are really interesting. And then she did end with a, an interview. And so I'm not going to do the full interview at the end. She did have somebody on talking about thin privilege, which I, you know, I kind of mentioned slightly before, um, cause it kind of, it, it didn't come up the, the, the term thin privilege didn't come up in the Sarah Silverman podcast, but I think it can be inferred that, a lot of thin people are automatically thought of as healthy, right? And and thin privilege, like I have thin privilege, right? That's not doesn't mean that thin people don't also beat themselves up and have eating disorders and have disordered eating and have all this like diet trauma still in their heads. It just means that society treats them better and doesn't discriminate the, on discriminate against them based on their size. Uh, when I used to work at Equinox, we did this campaign called "Are You Skinny Fat." And it was this, you know, this mailer and this Equinox like to do kind of controversial, uh, you know, campaigns. And this one did definitely cause a little bit of a ruckus. There was, I don't know, there was a big outcry about, you know, using skinny and and calling people skinny fat. And I don't know. I mean, I, I actually thought it was really smart because it pointed out the fact that you can be thin, but you also might be very unhealthy. You might, you know have no, you know, not have any nutritional value. You might have, um, you know, an autoimmune issue that you are thin, but you know, your, your, your system might be, uh, you know, a little bit challenged. And so, um, just because you're skinny doesn't necessarily mean you're healthy. Just like if you're in a larger body doesn't necessarily mean that you're unhealthy. So anyway, so Emily, this this podcast was about the tenant of intuitive eating that was discussed in this second episode of hers <clears throat> was honor your hunger. And so and she started out talking about shame and she wanted to talk about shame and she ties it in later to like how, you know, food around shame, uh, shame around food adds to this, 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 you know, this thing where people don't honor their hunger, they're ashamed of eating. And, but she did talk about how shame prevents people from living their lives out loud. And that's how it, you know, kind of relates to body positivity. And then she kind of talked more about how she was sent to fat camp in the sixth grade. She was like 10 or 11, but she didn't realize it was a fat camp. She's like, the pictures on it were all about, you know, enjoying, you know, swimming and improving self-esteem. She, she said she did pick up on that. She's like, why does it say improve your self-esteem? Um, but she didn't realize it was a fat camp. But she, when she got there and she did realize what it was, She's like, I didn't even say anything about it to my family and, and really have a deep discussion about it because she was so, she felt shame. You know, she felt shame that her family wanted to send her there. She didn't, she felt embarrassed even bringing up, bring it up to talk about. Um, and, and shame is actually something that I've been working on a lot. Um, you know, Brene Brown, uh, is that, you know, sociologist that's written a, a lot of books on shame and, um, you know, I, I recently read, I think it's Dare to Lead, and it's all about, you know, keeping shame out of your company culture, 
uh, leading with vulnerability, which is really hard for me. You know, I grew up with you know, an Italian dad, old that old school Italian kind of bravado, like um, bravado, if you will. And so, you know, my mom was super sensitive and in touch with her emotions. But then my dad and my grandfather, you know, they they were not very expressive with their emotions. And, um, you know, it's just shame. And I think especially with men, uh, it manifests where men are, you know, in society have never, it's never been acceptable for them to cry, for them to share their feelings. And, and I think men struggle with shame in a lot of different ways, just like women do. You know, women have been taught to be ashamed of our vaginas and ashamed of, you know, uh, you know, being loud and taught to be smaller and, um, you know, if we gain weight, we should be ashamed. We should hide ourselves. We should cover ourselves. Like all of these, all of these things that society highlights as, you know, this is what is good. This is what is bad. Create shame when you don't fit into that certain box. And, and so, you know, she was kind of sharing, you know, mo- so she, she shared the name of this, of this fat camp. It's, it's, uh, it's called Camp Poconos Trail. It's on the East Coast. It's actually in Pennsylvania. I did look it up. And, you know, she was just talking about some of the things, some of her memories of being at this at this camp that stood out to her that, you know, still feel fill her with shame. Well, I think she's she's really moved beyond the shame because she's worked on herself and she's, you know, she's improved her own self-esteem. Uh, but you know, she'll, she, she would talk about, she remembers snack time and how people would go out in these fields and, and everybody would have to go and, you know, get their snack, but it would be like the twin pops and fudgical day was like the best day. Everybody loved the fudgical days. And, and she's like, then they, they made us perform these skits that were very embarrassing, that were very fat phobic that, you know, that would, you know, take, it would be like a rift on a Madonna song and they would, but they would incorporate like weight loss into it. And, and she's like, I was, this was so cringeworthy. She's like the fact that we were forced to do this. She's like, I would try to turn everybody against it and try to get everyone to revolt against it. She's like, but you know, there were elements that were so shameful. She's like, I didn't want to get up and sing in front of people and perform this, this skit. She's like, but I, but you, you had to, she's like, I didn't want to be that one person not going along with the crowd. She said, so she was, she, so she did it because everybody else did. And she just remembers feeling very, you know, she, she remembers feeling a lot of shame around that. And then she said there were also these self-esteem work workshops And she's like, you know, everybody would have to share stories about strides they had made from the week. And she's like, yeah. And she's like, there's this one girl that raised her hand. And she's like, yeah, yesterday at lunch, I saw these girls put extra sugar in their lemonade to make it taste better. She's like, but I didn't because I'm here for, for I'm here to get results. I know what I'm here for. And I didn't do that. And, you know, she's all proud of herself. And, and Emily just remembers like looking at her with disdain being like, oh, I can't believe she just like outed those girls. And, but she's into it. She's here proud to, you know, 
be here to lose weight. And she's like, some people would come every year. She's like, for and some people loved it. She's like, some people really enjoyed this camp. Um, but she hated it. She did not like it. Um, she's like, they really only cared about their getting their tuition, not really about our self-esteem. Uh, and she remembers there was this MTV show about this fat camp. And she's like, it, it was there. And she's like, I just remember being like, if I was there during that MTV show, like I would have been on that MTV show. I would have stood out from the crowd and been the, the reality star. And and it's so funny because I remember back in the day, MTV was like the favorite channel and MTV had this one show. I can't remember. It wasn't like a fat camp show, but it was about a couple different people's journeys and how they had to change their weight for something very specific. Like there was this guy that was a wrestler and he had to like whittle himself down to get under this certain weight to be able to compete at this certain class and and he would go through very extreme measures you know not be not drink any water not you know have any fluids in his system so that he was at the weight he needed to be and then he would go eat so you know a lot of sports a lot of um you know you know serious athletes have incredibly, you know, rigorous workout schedules, have very structured diets. Um, you know, you look at like Britney Spears and she was controlled to the nth degree by her dad and her diet. I mean, a lot of the rants she does on Instagram now involve how she was controlled and a lot of it centers around her food intake and how she wasn't allowed to have the delicious things, but her sister was. And, you know, she's just very resentful over that time. And so, um, so yeah, so there was, there was that wrestler, but then there was also somebody I think that was getting like gastric bypass or they they were getting weight loss surgery and they were just trying to lose X amount to just qualify for this surgery. So it was interesting. It was all these, like these extreme cases juxtaposed to each other to tell these different stories about people that were, you know, extreme dieting. For, but for different different reasons. Um, so I just remember that because she brought up this MTV weight show. And I'm like, wow, like the one I remember had to do with weight loss and athletes. And yeah, so I've been obsessed for a very long time. Um, now she did talk about, uh, she did befriend a girl from camp. And she, she remembers they got together with their moms. And she remembers her mom, like the moms were like talking over their heads about whether they liked it, about them. Um, and, and she just remembers like they had to get up in the morning and do like the girls had like the girl workout. It was like the calisthenics and the guys had like weights or something that was very like, you know, typical male workouts. And it was just so misogynistic and so, you know, based in, you know, as some girls might want to lift weights. I mean, again, this is back in the day when all these stereotypes still very much existed. And so, um, so, you know, so she just remembers these little snippets from the uncomfortable shame she felt and the activities that she was forced to do that she did not want to do. Um, you know, she, she's like, I did lose some weight. She's like, but I did end up gaining it back. And then she did have some good memories. She's like, she, she remembers being called pretty by another camper. She did have her first kiss there. 
Um, she said she did remember feeling free in a bathing suit because she was around other people her size and she just didn't feel like she was going to be judged. And she said that even just being away from her parents, because really it was her parents who were judging her and feeling like they had to send her there because she didn't fit into society. At least that's what she kind of took from that. And so, you know, she did feel this freedom of not being judged because she was around other people that could empathize. So, you know, that was an interesting perspective, too. And she's like, you know, you're subconsciously taught that if you don't lose weight, you won't be accepted in society. And she's just she still feels shame of being sent to fat camp and, you know, and and how she would choose to eat that got her there. Um, and. And so this kind of leads into this principle of intuitive eating because she would feel guilt after eating. And, and she's like, and that is such a, you shouldn't feel guilt for eating. And, and she's like, and that's what the intuitive eating movement kind of helps you get your mindset back to not feeling that way. And, and she said, so that's what that honoring your hunger principle is about. You know, she's like, a lot of us at Fat Camp were taught to be ashamed of our size, ashamed of eating what we wanted to. And intuitive eating says to honor your hunger, you know, keep yourself from feeling excessive hunger, you know, eat adequate carbs, eat when you're hungry, pack snacks with you so that you keep yourself satiated because when you let your, your blood sugar dip too low and when you get, when you're so ravenous that you, that you lose control that's where binging can come from. But if you honor your hunger, if you eat when you're actually hungry, instead of saying, oh no, I need to wait until this time, then 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 you'll you're much more likely to have control to make a more nutritious choice because you're not so ravenous. And she's like, you never want to feel restricted on, you know, when you're eating, if you're hungry, that's the point of that principle of intuitive eating. Just honor your hunger. Don't restrict yourself. Um, you know, address your hunger in that moment so that you, again, prevent that binging or tendency to overeat. She's like, for example, she's like, there are people out there that, you know, they have lunch at one. She's like, and their dinner's at six, but they won't let themselves have a snack, even if they're hungry. She's like, my boyfriend, she's like, even if it's 30 minutes before, you know, we eat, he'll have a little snack if he's starving. And she's like, and that's like, that's like a, 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 a normal thing to do where you're not in your head about, oh no, I can't eat that because I need to save it for dinner. Um, and, and that is something that I definitely do. I always... I mean, I just, I hate being hungry. I hate being excessively hungry. I hate it when my stomach is growling. So if I, and I, and I know I am so miserable to be around if I get to that point that I, I pretty much do it to save, save my mood from other people around me. So I'm not mean to people. Um, and I, you know, and it, it is amazing how, you know, just eating a couple olives or eating a, a few nuts or, you know, just having like a quick little protein shake, you know, that that's, you know, with just water and protein, it's, it's, it really does just hold you over. Um, you know, Jared Free talks about, you know, having his bar between the meals. And it's like the times that he hasn't had that bar when he's like, well, let, me, let me just hold out till dinner. That's usually when he's so ravenous that he'll, he will overeat. So, um, so that's kind of where I see 
that, that, you know, again, I think some of the, some of these principles I do naturally just because I, I've been taught that eating is good. You know, I don't have that, the, the hangups that somebody that was bullied or traumatized from youth in my head telling me, no, you need to restrict that. You need to not eat that. Um, and I was always taught that eating snacks and keeping your blood sugar regulated was a, a good way to, to even lose weight. I mean, you know, and again, in the, um, that's kind of been disproven, I guess, a little bit through intermittent fasting that, you know, a lot of people now are going really, really long periods and, and they're able to maintain their weight or lose a little bit of weight, or at least, you know, not gain weight by eating that way. Whereas again, when I worked in the, in the weight loss industry, we were taught that, you know, the way women gain weight is not eating all day and then overeating at, at a, a certain point. Um, and again, that is true for me. Like I really will if I'm ravenous. And I think that this principle is kind of speaking to that too, that a lot of people do make poor choices. They'll go for the Pringles. They'll go for the ice cream. They'll go for these, you know, these simple carbs that will give you that immediate satisfaction that you need that will get sugar into your blood quickly when you've let your blood sugar go too low, when you've gotten yourself to that level of hunger where you just need to grab something so quick. And and again, that tendency to want to grab something indulgent is going to be more present if you are ravenous, right? And so, you know, if you're someone like me who needs your blood sugar regulated, who needs to eat consistently, um, again, that that principle of intuitive eating is really important. So I thought that was a really good, um, I agree with that. I do agree with that specific principle. So, so, so far, uh, the first two principles I do agree with and, um, you know, and then we'll go from there. So more RIP diet reviews to come. Uh, let's see, next week is Thanksgiving. So I actually may play my interview next week cause I will have guests in town. So I might play my, um, my interview with Amelia, uh, and I will do more RIP diets. And then I do want to do a new DST at some point because, you know, I still haven't done a full review of DST since Remy and Emily have taken over from uh, Sammy and Aileen. So I will also do that soon. Uh, I am, I did open up, I think I might've announced this on the last episode, but if I didn't, I did open up my personal Instagram. It's veronica.santarelli. I'm also on Instagram at the diet obsessed podcast. So if you don't follow me, please give me a follow. Uh, please take time to leave a review for this podcast. Uh, that just means go to wherever you listen to podcasts, leave some stars, leave a review. And until we meet again, I hope all of you have a very balanced week.